0: coaches. Before we get into the episode today, I had to jump in here and tell you about this amazing event that is coming up that is right up your alley. Especially if you're listening in to these first three episodes of Buzzing with Miss Be the Coaching podcast, you're concerned about your own self-care and your mental health and and you deserve this sense of renewal and, and feeling good about the work that you're doing and loving the life that you're living right now. And we're probably not all feeling that way. This has been a really hard year Uh, harder than most. (laughs) And so I think it is good to think about taking some time for yourself. And that's why I want to share this amazing event with you that's coming up this March. This is March 19th through the 21st, 2021. It's the first ever three-day live virtual retreat for instructional coaches. The Simply Coaching Retreat is helping you renew, refresh, and revive your life, yourself, your approach to your work and everything. It's this three day wellness retreat. And I am super excited about it and I am not a wellness retreat person, okay? (laughs) But I just looked at the lineup and I just think this is gonna be amazing. On Friday evening, there's a PJs and painting virtual party just to relax and have fun and do something creative and crafty at home. On Saturday, oh yeah, it's all virtual guys, so you don't have to go anywhere. PJs, you can do PJs all three days if you want. On Saturday, we're going to focus on refreshing you, you and, and your outlook on your work, but we're not going to get into a lot of work on Saturday because it's all about your mindset. So we're going to talk about your mindset and coaching work. There's a keynote by Kim Strobel, the happiness coach, and I've just started listening to her podcast and it's really informative and helpful in thinking about how we want to approach our lives. There is a session about mindset and coaching, and mental health and coaching, mindfulness and coaching. There's a keynote by Amber Harper, the burned in teacher and a close out by Nicole. There's also, there are going to be these simply coached communities. They're going to be basically like a roundtable event where I am leading a session and other coaches are also leading sessions where you can break out into groups that match the work that you do and just talk and, and share and think and reflect with each other. So I'm really excited about that part of the day. On Sunday, it's all about reviving your coaching approach, okay? So there are four different sessions on Sunday. It's a half, it's like a, it's like a 10.30 to three day. It's not like a really stressful day. You don't have to get up early even. <laughs> and those sessions are gonna be about different things, about relationships and about figuring out what you're gonna do for the rest of the year. But by Sunday, you'll have this refreshed approach to the work that you're doing. So I want you to check out the Simply Coaching Retreat. It's the first of its kind, and I hope it's not the last because it's going to be amazing. You can grab your spot by clicking the link in the show notes where it says Simply Coaching Retreat. Um, I'm putting that in the show notes on whatever media player you're using, whatever podcast player, and I'm also putting it in the show notes on the blog. So you go to the link for this, this episode and you can get the link to join the Simply Coaching Retreat that's happening again, March 19th through 21st. If you register in February, you get an early bird rate, but please, even if you're hearing this in March, don't miss out because I think it's going to change your coaching work for the rest of, maybe not even just the rest of this year, maybe the rest of your coaching life. So join us. I hope to see you there. Hey coaches, welcome back to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. This is me, your host, Chrissy Beltron, and I am so excited that you're here today because today is season two of this podcast. You can't see me now, but I just popped a bottle of champagne and there is confetti falling gracefully from the ceiling. Somehow magically we don't know how any of that works. It just happens at these types of moments. There are balloons There are people dancing. It's a great. It's a great time here at buzzing with this headquarters (laughs) So the reason for all this is that season two is on and it's gonna be so big I have awesome guests book for you this year and we're talking about big important topics that will change your coaching life seriously I spent a lot of time figuring this year's calendar out because I know this is a source that you can keep coming back to to get the support you need if you're not getting it from your school or your district, or just to add to the supports that they have in place. So this is the number one episode you need to listen to today. It's super important. You might need to listen to it again tomorrow and probably every day for the rest of the school year, at least. And that's because it's about self-care for instructional coaches. I know, right? Coaches do that? I know. (laughs) It was news to me too, I promise. They should do it, okay? And we're going to figure out how today. So I really want you to listen in because you deserve it. You deserve to take care of yourself and to treat yourself like a human being. So let's talk a little bit about what that means. You know that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup? I am not one for cheesy sayings. Um, Like, I don't like pillows that say things like, live, laugh, love. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm gonna live my life pillow. I don't don't need advice from you. But that saying is actually true. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot give to others what you no longer have yourself. And whenever we are instructional coaches, we have to give, give, give. We have to give love. We have to give joy. We have to give hope. We have to give enthusiasm. And we have to give knowledge. And sometimes your brain is so tired and your heart is so worn out, there is nothing left in there. And if one more person asks you one more question, you're gonna lose it. I have felt this way myself. I'm sure that you have felt this way. Um, and if you have, you should totally go on Instagram and, and let me know because <laughs> I cannot be the only one who sometimes is like, that teacher better keep on walking right now. I don't, I don't think I can handle <laughs> one more question today. <laughs> So what does coaching burnout feel like? I mean, I'm kind of describing it already, right? This idea that you have too much to do because you're managing a million things and it leaves little time for anything else, and you have no time for yourself. So because you feel guilty taking care of yourself, you don't ever do that because that's not even on your to-do list, right? And then this results in overwhelm and burnout. You can no longer do the work required of you because you're burned out. I know people who seem to get sick every year at the same time of year. They've just run themselves out. They've used up everything and they've got nothing left and now their bodies are responding. So why is this so hard? Why is it that it feels like instructional coaching is such a challenging position to take care of yourself in? And teaching is too. I was just as bad at this when I was a teacher. I was truly terrible. I would not get haircuts. I would not go to the doctor like I needed to. Uh, The only thing I did was I would prep my meals on the weekend. But other than that, I didn't do anything to take care of myself. And, And it's hard because as a teacher and as a coach, you're serving people. Right, you're constantly serving, and you're putting everything out. You're putting everything out into the world. You're just giving, 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 and that can be so draining. Coaches do a little bit of everything. They work with the tough teachers. They work with kids who need a lot of support, and sometimes that requires incredible restraint, right? Um, and and real patience. And you have to dig deep to find it. They might have to do administrative tasks. They might have to set the vision for the school or support setting that vision, or actually get teachers to buy into a vision that neither of them set. They plan PDs, they facilitate PLCs and data reviews. They do so many things, constant work. They do a little bit of everything. They work with everybody. And that can result in, in a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. So let's talk a little bit about anxiety and we're going to talk a little bit about this um, next week as well. Uh, And, and the next over the next couple of weeks, actually, because I have some guests who are going to help us think more about this idea of self care and mindfulness and anxiety and why we're experiencing it, what it all means. But these are some signs of anxiety that if you have experienced them, I know I have experienced some of them. um, Then that's maybe what's going on that we don't want to acknowledge. So if you find that sometimes you can't take a deep breath or you are suffering from jitteriness or like constant movement, I'm a little bit guilty of that. I have kind of a problem being still sometimes. If you are irritable or have a short fuse, also my hand is raised on that one. (laughs) If you get frequent headaches or a feeling of exhaustion, if you have difficulty focusing on one task to completion. If you have frequent worries or doubts, am like, who does, I'm sorry, do people live that they do not have frequent worries or doubts, but okay. If you have muscle pain or frequent snacking, uh-oh or difficulty sleeping, all those can be signs of anxiety. Obviously, they can be signs of other things as well, but they can be signs of anxiety. And so many of us, I think as coaches, we are like really high-functioning, anxious people. We're not anxious in maybe the way that people think that it presents itself most frequently, but we do have these signs of anxiety in that we can't control everything, and we're trying to get everything done, and we're overwhelmed constantly. But we don't like to say things like, I'm overwhelmed. So (laughs) then maybe I'm just overgeneralizing from my own perspective here, but that is definitely something that we see in this field because it's kind of like the the it's not accepted it's like well you still have to get it done right so what are you going to do just get over it and that's that's not really healthy Um, we have to approach our, our work differently somehow because anxiety leads to a lot of really problematic things it can lead to poor decision making it can lead to um like harming the relationships that you've worked really hard to build with short remarks or kind of like snottiness. It can lead to um, the failure to follow through with tasks or promises that you've made and you just haven't, you just don't finish them because you're overwhelmed and just fried. And it can lead to burnout like we talked about. And even if you're not feeling anxious, I'm going to tell you, you do deserve peace and you do your best work when you're in a good place mentally and emotionally. So maybe you're not feeling anxious, but we could probably be in a better place if we could just acknowledge that we are human beings who can't run at full throttle all of the time. So let's think a little bit about where does your energy go? We have kind of a limited amount of energy, right? We're, we're human. It's just the way we are. And some things give you energy, and then some things you feel like it's just sucking it all out of you, right? Right. So what I want you to do, you can do this whenever you have time. You can get a piece of paper. Um, you can do it on your computer and make a two-column chart. But basically, you're, somewhere you're going to start writing and make a two-column chart and label the left side things that give me energy, and label the right side things that take my energy. And you're going to record items in each column. So I'm going to share a sample of things that give me energy and things that take my energy. And this is uh, these are actually honestly mine like (laughs) these are things that give me energy and things that take my energy they're really truthful things that give me energy collaborative planning I love to plan together I get a lot of joy out of it I love to see that teachers are prepared it makes me feel great Uh, modeling in classrooms I finally figured it out. took me a long time. Actually, both of these two things, collaborative planning and modeling classrooms, took me a long time to figure out, but I think I've got it, and um, now I feel really confident and comfortable doing those things, and I enjoy them, and they give me energy. Planning and hosting school-wide events, super fun. Um, I love to put together events. I love to see people enjoying the events I've created. That gives me energy. Things that take my energy are data reviews. I have a good system for them, but I do not enjoy them. And it's always kind of a minefield to a degree. I mean, even once you have a good, you know, most of the time your grade levels eventually will come together and you'll, you'll make a plan that works. But there's sometimes, you know, a couple of hidden landmines that you might land on without realizing. Uh, leadership meetings will take my energy because sometimes that overview of the whole school is just a lot and sometimes I'm reminded of how far we have to go and that can be really daunting. And debriefing with challenging teachers. I don't know anyone who says that they get energy from those conversations because it definitely requires you pouring your energy in to maintain a certain level of composure and, you know, peace and, and, um, you know, curious listening and all of those things that we know we're supposed to do to support those teachers. So the problem with our jobs is we can't just go, well, I'm only going to do the things that give me energy, and I'm not going to do the things that take my energy. We can't do that, right? We can't stop doing the things on the right side, but we can change our approach to try to take some of our energy back. So I want you to think about what are some opportunities that you have to revisit or kind of adjust the way the tasks on the right side happen. So can you rehearse difficult conversations first to be better prepared? That's one thing that might support you in working with those teachers. So maybe they won't be quite as much of an energy suck. Can you doodle notes during difficult meetings whenever you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed? Sometimes that's a little something you can do as kind of a stress relief. Can you create a next steps form that will help you reduce busy meetings into simple steps so you don't walk away with your head swimming and you have no idea what you're supposed to accomplish next? Can you set norms for working with challenging teachers or with groups of teachers? So you kind of take away some of the stress and the burden of having to navigate those really stressful meetings. And can you coordinate with your administration to create a protocol or a team for accomplishing a task that is taking up a lot of your time and taking a lot of your energy too? That might be something that we can't always do that. But if we can communicate effectively with our administration, sometimes we can get somebody on our team that will help minimize that workload. And that can make a huge difference. So now we're going to specifically talk about self-care. Self-care is the practice of taking action to preserve one's own well-being. Can you imagine that, considering your own (laughs) well-being? I know. So what does self-care look like? Well, it can look like different things, um, but we're going to talk about a few different kinds of self-care, taking care of your body, being kind to yourself, setting boundaries, spending time with people who add to your life, and treating yourself. Those are are the five different kinds we're going to talk about. So the first one is take care of your body. My first tip in this self-care category is go to bed. Just go to bed. <laughs> Sometimes I find myself at 10 o'clock, 10.30, and I think maybe the day has flown by so quickly or I haven't had a moment to myself, and I think, I'm just I'm just going to stay up and watch this movie, and I feel all devious and sneaky and, you know, ha yay for me. And then I... It seriously the next day. It is n- almost never a good idea. So, I really recommend if you're not getting eight hours of sleep a day, not everybody needs eight hours of sleep, but I think some of us kid ourselves into thinking that we don't need eight hours of sleep. I personally know I need eight and a half. <laughs> so, 10 o'clock comes around, and if I'm not getting ready for bed, I'm in trouble. So, go to bed is my first tip. My second tip is drink eight glasses of water every single day. It is shocking how much of our energy is sucked up because we do not take care of our physical needs at that most basic level so drink eight glasses of water every day get yourself one of those fancy jugs that yells at you when you haven't finished it or on a you know on a, um, a gallon bottle just mark the increments you need to drink by the end of the day or you know what you need to finish by lunchtime do what you need to do to remind yourself to drink enough water prepare meals in bulk over the weekend is something I did for years whenever I worked at a campus and That was life-changing. If I didn't prepare my meals, I ate whatever the cafeteria was serving and that food is not made for adults, guys. It is made for children and children have to have lots of like fat to grow and adults, we don't need that. (laughs) So, So whenever I was eating those school lunches, I was not doing a great job of taking care of myself. So I would prepare my meals in bulk over the weekend. I know that might sound crazy to some people who have never meal prepped. I would eat the same thing every day because I just didn't have time to make more than one meal. So I would make like one crock pot full of chili and then I'd put it in five containers and then I'd make five breakfast burritos, you know, on, on special healthy tortillas and I'd eat those every morning and that's what I would do. And it makes a huge difference because you are prepared. You just grab and go in the morning. You don't have to get up early and fix your stuff. You're, you're always ready. You also want to have a healthy snacks drawer or like a little bin in the fridge with your name on it or something because if you don't have healthy snacks, you're going to go tooling around the school and you're going to check out the office where somebody brought in cinnamon buns and you're going to be like, I'm just going to have one. But when you do that like three times a week, you don't feel as good. So have your healthy snacks drawer or a bin in the fridge where if you're super ravenous, you can go grab yourself a cheese stick or go grab yourself a healthy granola bar or whatever you constitute healthy snacks, whatever that means to you. That way you are prepared. Because if you're not prepared, that's when bad stuff happens. My second category is be kind to yourself. So what does that even look like? Some of us do not have a lot of practice in being kind to ourselves, and that's kind of messed up. So let's talk about what you can actually do. You can create a positive affirmation that you say every day. I have to be honest, I do not do this. <laughs> um, this does not do anything for me, but it does a lot for a lot of people. My friend, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching and Teaching, she's my um, co-host for the Coffee and Coaching Coaches membership. Um, she actually has a positive affirmation that she says every day, and she feels like it helps her get started on the right track, and that's amazing. Um, I don't really, like I mentioned before, I don't enjoy pillows that tell me what to do. So, <laughs> so um, it doesn't work for me, but she loves it. So try it out. You can also create a morning routine at work that helps you feel prepared for the day. I did do this. So maybe you, um, every morning, whenever you get to work, you might have uh, just, you get there a couple minutes. And so what you do is you grab your coffee or whatever makes you happy, you grab hot tea, whatever it is, and then you review your goals. And I'm actually going to talk about this in a few episodes about how we should make time for reviewing our goals every single day, or sorry, every single week, and that's going to be episode 48. So I really hope that you pop back in for that one because we need to talk about setting time for that every week. We also... I also would take time to read something that would frame my day. So maybe I would read um, a quick blog post to think about, or maybe I would look something up about what was coming up that day. I was going to plan with third grade, and we were going to plan on biography unit, so I would read something to kind of help me get started. You could also do, some people do devotionals. Um, Some people, I prefer the academic reading first thing in the morning, but that's, everybody has a different preference there. You could journal. You could write in your notebook and I always like to review in my, review my schedule. So I had a real idea of, okay, what is happening today? And I felt like I had a good solid handle on what was going to happen. I feel best whenever I know what's coming. So I'm not a huge surprise person, but, (laughs) but whenever I know what's coming, I can, I feel really good about it and I can be mentally prepared. You can also create an afternoon routine to close the day. These routines kind of help you separate getting into work and getting out of work. So hopefully when you leave work, you are not still working all the drive home in your brain and then working as you're making dinner and then working as you're doing laundry and all those things we have to do at home. So what your afternoon routine could look like, it's probably really short. Mine was super short. Um, I would check my schedule for the next day, make sure everything was set. I would straighten up my desk. I learned that from a teaching friend of mine years ago. I remember my desk was always a mess. And my friend Martha... Didn't comment on my messy desk, but I commented on her beautifully clean desk and it was always tidy. And I said, your desk is always so tidy. And this was back in the, I mean, we had guided reading tables, but I had, that, that we mostly used, but I had a special area where I would kind of like stick stuff whenever it was kind of, you know, not urgent. And I said, your desk is always so tidy and mine is such a mess. And she said, every day I take five minutes before I leave and I straighten it up every day. That's just what I do. It's part of my routine. And I was like, okay, I can be a big girl and do that, I guess. So that is something I did start doing at the end of the day. And it does make a tremendous difference because you walk in the next day to a tidy space. And doesn't that make you feel so much better? I also would lay out the materials I'd need first thing in the morning because I wanted to be prepared. So if I knew I had a group coming in at 7.45 and I was going to get there at 7.30, I didn't want to be scrambling. So I made sure everything I had for the morning was set out and organized so I could walk in, do my morning, morning routine, and start my meeting without stress. The, and the next section we're going to talk about is setting boundaries. And this is super hard for a lot of us to do because the first tip I'm going to give you is to say no. You can't always say no right? Sometimes we don't have a choice. Sometimes we have to say yes, and the answer is predetermined by the person who asked us the question. Or um, I used to have a boss who wouldn't say, well, you must do this. He would say, it's highly recommended. It is strongly recommended. And that pretty much meant you must do it. (laughs) So sometimes we can't say no, but we can share responsibility. And so we can say, can I get a buddy to work on this? I really think this is more of a committee project rather than an individual project. I'd like to get more voices on this and we can share that responsibility. You can also set boundaries for work time. So you can say, I work between this hour and this hour. Um, I'm not saying just stick to contract at hours. I, I, my contracted hours were not realistic in terms of after, like the time that I had after school. School ended at 2.45, tutoring ended at 3.30, and that's when our contract ended at 3.30. So I wouldn't have had any time to do anything. It just wasn't going to happen. But, you know, I could say, well, I'm going to leave at 4.30, and if I don't leave at 4.30, then I'm just going to feel grumpy. I'm not going to be able to take a walk. And so we can set those boundaries to make sure that we have – um, a start and end to our workday, and that we just don't live there. I've known teachers who would live in their classrooms, and they just wouldn't leave. And I almost wondered. Sometimes I wondered, are they really accomplishing anything, or are they looking for things to do after they've already, you know, set their time and they, they're done with what they need to do? and now they're finding, other things. I actually talk about this um, in an episode from last year, season one of this podcast with Angela Watson. That was episode thirty-one. We talk about how to work you know, hard, smarter, not harder, because Angela Watson runs a 40-hour work week for teachers. So we talked about some of her thoughts and tips on, on why it is that we just squander our time and suddenly time is up and, you know, it's, you've been at school since seven and it's already seven in the evening and it's dark and you're driving home in the dark and how does that happen? So we talked a little bit about that. So you might want to check that one out too. I also recommend that you turn off your phone at certain times of the day or that you stick your phone in a cave somewhere or far away from you. You don't need it all the time. We don't need it all the time. It's too much input constantly in our brains. And so like if your email is on your phone and your email's dinging and going off all the time, that's just adding work stress to your day. So if you don't need it, don't have it with you. One recommendation from the minimalists. I used to listen to the podcast with the minimalists, those two, those two guys who talk about not having so much junk, (laughs) and um, they recommended having a dock for your phone as if it were a landline. So you have a cell phone, but you park it in a certain place because that's where it goes when you get home, so you're not always having it in your pocket and having it follow you around. You're not tethered. Another thing that you can do is uh, limit the input that you take. So you can kind of allow for quiet time. I know that sometimes there are situations in which I'm really excited to learn something and I'll immerse myself in it. And then other times I'm like, I cannot handle one more new idea in my brain right now. So maybe that's the time that I take a step back from the learning podcasts and I just have quiet time. I go on a walk and I don't listen to anything. I drive and I don't listen to anything. Sometimes we need to limit what's coming into our brains because we just can't handle so much stuff my fourth category is to spend time with people who make you happy. And that can be wildly different for each of us. But one thing you can do is visit classrooms that make you happy. Sometimes you're allowed to go into a room just because you love to watch kids learn and you love to see teachers teach and you love to watch teachers teach who love to teach. (laughs) So you're allowed to do that sometimes. Pop into a room, sit there while you're doing a little bit of work in the back, just say, I'm just here to to love on all the learning and just see you, you kids learn. I can't wait to watch you and see what you're learning today. They'll eat it up. The kids will love it. The teachers, as long as you have a good relationship with them, will probably love it too. So visit those classrooms that make you happy. You also can call a coach friend and laugh, or you can cry, or a little of both, about your work. And sometimes coach friends are the only ones who really get the very unique position that instructional coaches are in. So definitely give them a call. And, you know, sometimes we've got to do a little venting. And it works really well when you can vent with somebody who does not know your teachers because that way you don't have as many concerns about confidentiality issues. If you're calling a friend from another school or another district or something like that, it's a lot easier to talk about things like that. The last kind of tip I have for you is occasionally treat yourself. And that looks different for everybody. I'm not a big spender. Uh, I don't like to treat myself with expensive shoes or expensive purses or anything like that or fancy makeup. But I do like to do things that I like sometimes or like buy something that would be a fun hobby or a fun craft. I like to make a lot of crafts and so maybe I'll treat myself with a special craft that I'm going to make. Maybe I will treat myself with a special day where I'm just going to watch movies. Maybe I'll treat myself with, you know, spending time with my brother who I don't get to see very often. So we treat ourselves in different ways and every now and then I want you to take some time just to yourself where you're actually treating yourself and doing something for you. So those are my tips for uh, self-care for instructional coaches. You can actually get all of these in a download, like a little checklist where you can kind of look over it and, um, and mark off which ones you're doing. And you can get that at buzzingwithmissb.com episode 45. That's episode, all in letters, you know, a capital E, episode. And then the number four, the number five. And that way you can get your checklist, kind of get some ideas if you're stumped, and start taking a little bit better care of yourself. I am so excited for our next interview. It's going to be episode 40, um, sorry, yeah, it's gonna be episode 46. That's going to be self-care for teachers with Sarah Forst. Now, Sarah Forrest is the author of the book, Self-Care for Teachers, and whenever I approached her, I said, you know, I know your book is for teachers, but coaches have so much to learn about self-care, and she goes, oh, this is totally going to be relevant for coaches because pretty much anybody who works in education needs to learn how to do this, and we are terrible at it. So I'm super excited to chat with Sarah about that, and we have some really great topics we're going to talk about, so tune in next week for episode 46, and until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.